Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. I have recently taken the reins there, so I'll be tweeting out nuggets of information, tweeting out the podcast, tweeting out all sorts of things. Follow that for more. It is Expert Tuesday, and Ryan Wood from the Green Bay Press-Gazette is here to talk about the Packers' thrilling 35-31 victory. He had a tremendous piece about Devontae Adams that we're going to get into later in the show, about how he went from basically went from the hospital room to the game-winning touchdown on national television. Pretty cool story there. But we have some things to clean up before we get there in terms of what we saw in the game and some things that we were, we didn't have time to get to yesterday. Before we do that, I want to remind you, we are doing our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. To join that promotion, all you need to do is leave a review on our iTunes page, rate the podcast, leave a review, put your Twitter handle and your name in that review, and every week we're going to pick a name and someone will win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. You are competing against more than just your fellow Locked On Packers listeners. You are competing with the entire Locked On Podcast Network. So you have to do it if you want to win. And there's other podcasts that you can review. You can review Locked On Fantasy, where Jeff Ratcliffe, the director of fantasy for for Pro Football Focus, will be on every Thursday. You could review Locked On NBA, where Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus will be on every Wednesday. So go to the iTunes page, leave a review, and you could win the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Let's start with the injuries from Sunday's game. First, Brian Bulaga made it through the entire game. As far as we know, there are no setbacks. He should be good to go at right tackle against the Vikings this week. We don't know where David Bakhtiari is, but we are closer than ever to getting the full complement of Green Bay Packers offensive linemen. They have not started the same five guys yet this season. So to have some kind of continuity would would really be a boost for them. Jordy Nelson did not play that last possession, the game-winning possession. He said after the game, I'm good. We got a little banged up, but we'll be good. 
there was some initial thought that it was the hamstring that he had tweaked or that it was a concussion. So far, none of those things have been confirmed. We don't know what the issue was. Another injury that we need to talk about because it had repercussions in the game. Morgan Burnett leaves in the fourth quarter with a hamstring tweak. How that's going to play out moving forward will be interesting because he is such a versatile piece for this defense. It was interesting how this game opened. I went back and watched the TV copy again, and and we'll go back and watch the All-22. The Packers started in what looked like a base 4-3 defense. Clay Matthews was lined up as a traditional off-ball linebacker in a 4-3 defense. Four guys on the line, three linebackers off. Blake Martinez, Jake Ryan, Clay Matthews. This was Clay Matthews back in his rover linebacker mold. This was back when the Packers had no inside linebackers and they needed Clay to play there. He played there a fair amount in this game, and that's what having Ahmad Brooks can do for your defense. This was also a function of playing a Cowboys team that wants to run the ball a lot. And so you're going to be in your base defense. But that base defense now includes, apparently, some 4-3. This is something that Ben Vennel, friend of the show, has advocated for a long time. Clay Matthews is a better chess piece blitz linebacker than he is a traditional 3-4 outside linebacker who's going to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback every play, at least at this point in his career. One of the reasons that I'm bringing this up as it relates to Morgan Burnett is we talked about over the last couple weeks how the shuffling at corner and defensive back was going to play out for the Packers and that Morgan Burnett playing in the slot had been a huge lift for this team. He did it against the Bengals. He did it against the Bears. Dallas is a different kind of team. Cole Beasley is a different kind of slot receiver. So the Packers come out in base and instead of Morgan Burnett playing nitro linebacker, And instead of Morgan Burnett playing slot corner, he was back in his traditional safety spot with HaHa Clinton Dix. And this is interesting because that means Quinton Rollins had to play. And he didn't have to do that early because the Packers had Kevin King to start this game. They had Devon House to start this game. Devon House in and out of the lineup with cramps. You assume Sunday inside in Minnesota, it won't be as big a problem. If the Packers have House, King, and Randall, plus Hawkins, they may not have to play. Randall is the key here. Randall, they are comfortable with Randall in the slot. But what they didn't do is they didn't put Burnett in the slot with Kentrell Bryce playing behind him. Morgan Burnett played a traditional safety position for much of this game. And Quentin Rollins had to play a lot. And, and by the second half, the Packers realized that was just untenable. And so when they could, at the very least, they had Hawkins and Randall out there for, for basically the whole second half. And when House could play and they could put Hawkins outside with House and Randall in the slot, that was their preferred defense. Now with Kevin King, this becomes even more important. This is a lot of names and a lot of machinations of defensive backs, but this is important for Green Bay. They need to get their playmakers on the field. They need to put their corners and their safeties and all of their defensive backs, really all their defensive players, period, in the best position to succeed. Given the talent on this team, that has to involve Demarius Randall. We saw what he can do when he's on the field. It wasn't just the tipped interception. Haha Clinton Dick said after the game, Randall is the most talented team on the back end. The most talented DB we've got, he said. They 
the defense trusts or at least believes in Demarius Randall. And he needs to reward that trust. How this defense looks moving forward, I mean, I don't know what to take away from this game in terms of what to expect on Sunday because Dom Capers could come out and have Burnett playing slot corner if he's healthy. Or he could be playing traditional safety. Or he could be playing nitro backer. He could be anywhere. And that is that is both a good thing and a bad thing if you're the Packers because it means it's harder for the Vikings to prepare. But it also means you lack continuity defensively. Now, the one thing that this base defense gave Green Bay was it gave Blake Martinez the opportunity to absolutely shine. And Martinez has been awesome this year. Awesome. For a guy who we weren't even sure was going to have a role on this team, especially with Morgan Burnett playing the sub-package linebacker and and Josh Jones going to play dime linebacker, Blake Martinez looked like he was headed for special teams duty. But ever since he was installed in the lineup, he has been outstanding, according to Pro Football Focus. And if you had the Edge subscription, you'd already know this. He leads, Blake Martinez, leads the NFL in run stops. A run stop isn't just a tackle. It, it adds more to the idea of a tackle. A stop is a play that, that basically prevents the offense from being in an advantageous position. So a tackle six yards down the field is not a stop because the Cowboys would have gotten ahead of the chains. He leads the league, despite not being a full-time starter for the whole year, leads the league in stops. He's also one of just five regular linebackers without a missed tackle this year. He's been a critical piece for this defense. And they're going to need him moving forward. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. Okay, Ryan Wood is our expert on Expert Tuesday, Packers beat writer for the Green Bay Press Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at by Ryan Wood. We're going to talk to him about Devontae Adams, the piece he wrote, and his his broad impressions of this Packers Cowboys game. Let's bring in Ryan Wood. Ryan, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. Absolutely, Peter. So we had a game on Sunday. It was a it was a hell of a game. Uh, an it was ex- a game. An exciting finish for the Packers, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fans who, even even today, their hearts are still beating a little bit faster. You wrote uh, a really a really interesting story about Devontae Adams and and the ten days that he had after what was a horrific hit and injury on Thursday. Can can for people who haven't read it yet, please go do that. But can you just take us through that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, he went from a hospital bed to the end zone for a game-winning touchdown in 10 days. Um, it's it's nothing short of remarkable, and, and frankly, I mean, it, it just seemed a bit supernatural, you know, because uh, especially with the way the league is today with concussions, you just, you just don't expect that to happen. Um, I think that certainly the, the extra time helped, you know, 10 days, not seven. Those extra three days might have played a big difference. Uh, but even still, it's just not something that, that you would have uh, – anyone really other than Devontae Adams could have expected. I asked Lane Taylor after the game, a big offensive lineman, known for toughness, grit, all that stuff, uh, if, if 
after watching that hit that he took, that Devontae Adams took from Danny Trevathan, Flynn Taylor could have ever anticipated we'd be standing here in the visiting locker at AT&T Stadium 10 days later talking about Devontae Adams catching a game-winning touchdown, and he said, not a chance. Uh, there's just no way. Um, so he, even his own teammates were, were flabbergasted. I, I think that Randall Cobb said it best, the uh, the resurrection of Devontae. I mean, it's, I mean, it came <laughs> from a health standpoint. He came out of nowhere to – win a game um, and, and the, probably the biggest catch of his career to date uh, and, and it's also interesting to me so he showed obviously nothing but pluck to, to get back from the, clear the concussion protocol as quickly as he did and the final 20 seconds yesterday are no different right because he knows the play is going to work he knows that he can get Jordan Lewis uh, beat on the left side it's just not a, it's not one of Aaron Rodgers better passes so what does he do he comes back to the sideline he, in Aaron Rodgers' words, he said, Devontae told him, let's run the same play, just throw a better ball. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers did. It was a perfect pass, and uh, Devontae Adams was right. You know? But he had to fight for that for that play because to, to, Aaron Rodgers was going to call something to the other side of the field. He had to fight for it, and um, you know, it was more pluck from, from the receivers. So uh, really interesting how that mirrored uh, his comeback. Well, and it seems that that Aaron Rodgers, so much of of his expectations with receivers, he expects them to be certain places. And if he can't trust you on the field, he's not going to throw you the ball. And it has to say something about Devontae Adams and how Rodgers feels about him that not only was he going to go to him on the biggest play of the game, but he was going to go to him twice in a row on the biggest play of the game. And this isn't new either. Even in 2015, when Devontae Adams was not good, he, he, he hit the sophomore slump as bad as you can. Aaron Rodgers, verbally, publicly, week in, week out, even even on the field too, he never stopped throwing to him, and he never said anything but but full support for for his confidence and trust in, in Devontae Adams. So this is a, he's always seen something in Devontae Adams. Going back to when he was a very um, yeah he's he's selling rookie deal but he's, he's in the final year of his rookie deal he's a veteran now going back to when he was just first starting his career he's always seen something in Devontae Adams and he saw that again Sunday Rogers also had said coming in that he he saw something in Aaron Jones if if Packer fans hadn't seen it before they've seen it now yeah absolutely uh, you know I, I I wasn't surprised that he was the featured back. I wasn't surprised that he got the lion's share of the carries. Uh, I don't know how many people would have predicted 19 carries for 125. Um, that, that you know, they, they, this offense has been looking for a compliment to Ty Montgomery, not necessarily someone to take his spot. Ty Montgomery is here to stay. His ability to create bad matchups with his versatilities in the passing game is a special trait that can be a difference in games. He's not going anywhere. But they've needed a conventional running back who can chew up yards on the ground, that zone runner between the tackles, off tackle, and that's exactly what Aaron Jones did yesterday. So whenever Ty Montgomery's ribs heal, and, and frankly with Aaron Jones' emergence, I think the Packers have a little bit more leeway to, 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 to rest Ty Montgomery to make sure that they heal completely. But whenever Ty Montgomery heals completely and comes back, that's that one-two punch that Mike McCarthy's always talks about wanting in his backfield. Even going back to the Eddie Lacy, James Starks days, uh, Mike McCarthy is is not a guy that that ordinarily 
runs a workhorse running back into the ground. He, he likes to preserve his, his backfield. He likes that, that two-back rotation. Uh, he hadn't been seeing that through the first month of the season up until the time Montgomery broke his ribs. Uh, he was playing well over 90% of the snaps, very uh, out of character for Mike McCarthy offense. I think going forward, when, Mike, when Ty Montgomery gets back, you're looking at that two-back rotation that can really feed off of each other with Aaron Jones and, and Ty Montgomery. Do you foresee a situation, and Packer fans will remember a couple years ago that McCarthy had used, this is going back to 2014 even, that he had used Randall Cobb and, and uh, Jared Boykin in the backfield together, and then last year we saw some more Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb in the backfield together. Is there is there a circumstance where you could see Rodgers in the shotgun with Ty Montgomery to his left and Aaron Jones to his right? Yeah, sure. They can go two back. Two back. Um, definitely. I don't think it's going to be a prominent uh, scheme or a personnel grouping in in that offense uh, at, at any point. But it's something that you could see occasionally for sure. We saw Martellus Bennett make some make some big plays in this game. Could this? Obviously, there's there's probably a ton of reasons why he has not been as as big a part of this offense as maybe a lot of people thought he would. But it feels like this could be a springboard game for him. He makes that huge play down the sideline. He makes a huge play on the final drive. I mean, it was always going to take some time for him to become an integral part of this offense, right? Well, it took Jared Cook time. You know, you go back to the first three games uh, last year, he certainly didn't come in and set the world on fire. Um, Then obviously week three he got hurt and uh, broke his foot, was out six weeks. And it wasn't until he came back in Washington in late November that Jared Cook was a big-time player for this offense. I mean, we're talking week nine, week ten last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think at that position, it takes a little bit of time. Um, and certainly it's it's taken Martellus Bennett some time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. The, you know, that, that, that scramble drill, especially yesterday when he went deep, I mean, that, that's a good sign of a quarterback and his receiver getting on the right page and, and being able to uh, think collectively, uh, co- cohesively during a, kind of an impromptu extending the play type situation, which is so important as offense, obviously, because nobody in the league extends the play like Aaron Rodgers. So I, I thought that not just the fact that he caught it, it was a tremendous catch, uh, it was a big play, but the fact that they were on the same page in, in that moment was, was a good sign of a tight end that's, that's finding his role. Now, defensively, we saw the Packers, especially in the front seven, just absolutely dominate in week one. And then three of the next four weeks, they've given up 27 or more. Which which version, completely healthy, is this defense going to most closely resemble? That's a good question. I, I, was, I thought about this leaving the stadium last night. I really think that it was more about the Cowboys and specifically Dak Prescott playing mm-hmm really, really well than the yeah. Packers' defense playing bad. Dak Prescott blew me away. Yeah. Um, the two games that I saw him last year, I, I, I was I was very sure that Ezekiel, it's the engine of this offense for the Cowboys. It runs through him. Um, the, the Packers did a, a fairly good job on, on Ezekiel. Elliott. He had 116 yards, but it took 29 carries to get there. It, 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 was, it was a fair effort against one of the league's best backs, I think he, he had 30 yards because, through 15 or 16 carries yesterday, too. I mean, for the, through most of the right. game, the Packers bottled Zeke Elliott up. 
at, at halftime, he was 30 yards on 14 carries. Um, it, so they, they wore him down. He, he wore him down by the fourth quarter, as a good back does to any defense. Uh, but yeah, he, he he bottled up for for really three quarters. Um, it, Dak, it didn't matter because Dak Prescott was that good. I, mean, I didn't realize Dak Prescott was as good as he was. Now Jerry Jones said after the game that Dak Prescott played the best he's ever played in his season and a quarter of of, of his career. Um, so. You know, now those are the type of quarterbacks, and when you get to the playoffs, you're going to have to play better again. So there's no mm-hmm. question about that. Um, but how much of that was Kevin King going down in concussion protocol early? Probably a fair bit. Uh, it looked like they were certainly missing Kevin King. Um, and the difference yesterday, especially in the second half, between the Packers' defense and the Cowboys' defense, uh, a bad Cowboys' defense, that the Packers actually made the Cowboys' offense work. It, it, it didn't. It didn't all come easy. Even that, that that potential game-winning uh, touchdown drive late in the game for for for, for the Cowboys that ate up half the quarter. They almost got to stop on fourth down. In fact, it took a replay challenge review to to overturn the call. So uh, they they actually made the Cowboys' offense work for what they got. Uh, the Cowboys' defense did not at all. They just rolled over against the Packers' offense. So. Um, yeah, I you know there, there's there's a lot of room to grow, and they're going to need to get better because those other quarterbacks that you're going to be facing in January. Uh, but it's not too hard to see where where, where by December they, they could be a significantly better defense than they are right now. Well, and I saw this morning a stat that the Packers defense actually um, leads the league in 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 per play averages on scoring drives. So they're not giving up big plays; they're making teams drive. And and as you said, that Dallas drive. I think it was 17 plays and almost eight minutes. But 17 yeah, plays is, is ridiculous. Yeah, it was a mammoth drive. And I, I remember, you know, as it was going on, thinking, boy, there's just, this thing started at, you know, eight and a half minutes on the clock. <laughs> I did not think this would be the last drive of the game. Uh, it, it almost would have. And who knows if, if they don't run the, 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 the fade pass on second down there and, and complete stop the clock. Uh, maybe it would have been pretty close. Yeah, there was one thing um, I noticed. Even after Kevin King went out, it, it looked like Devon House was sort of in and out of the lineup. They were Dom Capers was rotating corners. Was that a function of, of House dealing with the cramps and then obviously King being out? Or was Capers just trying to find something that was working at corner? Yeah, well, Devon House had the cramps, so that's why why he went out. The thing that surprised me is that they played Quentin Rollins ahead of Kentrell Bryce for a good part of that game. Now, mm-hmm. obviously those are two different positions, but that, they still played him ahead of Kentrell Bryce because if you remember the Bengals game, um, Morgan Burnett dropped to nickel corner. He was in the slot, not a safety, not a, uh, a nickel linebacker. Uh, and Kentrell Bryce was at safety, and Quentin Rollins didn't see the field. Um, they didn't do that yesterday. Now, maybe the, the reason for that is because the Bengals don't have a slot receiver like Cole Beasley, and maybe it's just too tough for a strong safety like Morgan Burnett to, to match up against Cole Beasley. But it's not like Quentin Rollins did any better matching up against Cole Beasley. So uh, it, it surprised me that, that Quentin Rollins was on the field ahead of Kentrell Bryce. They didn't put Morgan Burnett in the slot and, and, and Bryce at safety. 
but they, they actually did start doing that as the, as the game went on and, and getting Bryce on the field more. Where he had a big pass breakup, and um, so it, it'll be interesting. A lot of this is going to hinge on how quickly Kevin King can get through the concussion protocol. Because look, Devontae Adams is a special guy. He, he cleared the concussion protocol in a short week last last year. Uh, uh, after being concussed against the the Cowboys, he, he was back on a Thursday night game for the Bears. So he's done this before. That's very rare. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the, obviously the Packers need Kevin King to, to, to be able to clear as quickly as he can for his own health. Yeah, I'm going to get you out of here on this. So through five games, four and one, this is a beat-up team. They've won some games despite, despite really a lot of adversity from a personnel standpoint. I, I think Mike McCarthy has been – this might be his best coaching job since since they went to the Super Bowl, frankly, from a scheme standpoint and creativity standpoint. What? Just give me your assessment of this team through five games. I thought when the schedule was released and I saw how the first five games broke down, um, I'm not going to lie, I thought that three and two would, would have been a good start. Three and two would be a good start. So that tells you what I think about four and one at this point. They're not just four and one, but they're four and one having played three premier contenders or what you would think of as premier contenders in the conference uh, going into the season. And they're two and one against the likes of the Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys and Atlanta Falcons. Um, And they've done that without playing with obviously a complete offensive line with, with really significant injury issues. Uh, Their one loss was on the road in Atlanta with backup offensive tackles. That's as, as excusable losses go. That's about the most excusable loss you can get. Um, so, look, this is cliche. It really is, and I apologize for it. But <laughs> this is clearly you get the, the sense that this is a team on a direct mission for that number one seed. I mean, it, it, Aaron Rodgers talks about it immediately after the NFC Championship game. They want. If, the, if there's an NFC Championship game this year, they want it to go through Lambeau Field. They've seen the difference and how important that can be at home field advantage in January, uh, and they're playing like it. And through after five games, that four and one record has them tied for the best co- record in the league with, or in the, excuse me, in the conference with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers, with obviously the Atlanta Falcons at three and one uh, coming off the bye. So. When you look at it, they, they've they've set themselves up to make a real run at the number one seed in the conference. There's a long, long, long way to go, and there's no telling how what's going to happen. You remember 2015? They started six and zero, crumbled down the stretch, barely made the playoffs. So there's there's a lot of football left, but they have put themselves in that position to where they can make a run at it in the second half of the season. Yeah, I said a couple weeks ago that I thought the best team in the NFC was was going to be determined on where the game was played. That if it was in Atlanta, it's probably Atlanta. If it's in Green Bay, it's probably Green Bay. So we'll see especially, if that plays well, itself it, out. It, it, especially because that Falcons team is darn tough to beat on that in, indoor track they have, obviously. But it's a di- it's a different team when you get it outdoors. I mean, that, that offense is built to be that that you know proverbial indoor fast track offense. You get you get them on a bad field in January at Lambeau Field. It's it's probably a different guy. Yeah. Well, we'll see that we may get to find out for sure coming up in a in a couple months here. Ryan, thanks for joining Locked On Packers. Absolutely. Take care, Peter. I want to thank Ryan again for joining Locked On Packers. You can follow him on Twitter at by Ryan Wood. You can find his writing at PackersNews.com. 
technically writes for the Green Bay Press Gazette, but as many of you know, um, a, a handful of newspapers have merged their operations to create PackersNews.com, which is a, a staff of, of writers putting all of their resources in one place to bring you the best Packers writing that they can. If you're a little less traditional, or even if you just like a lot of Packers coverage, I highly recommend AcmePackingCompany.com. I write there. A lot of talented writers write there. I think they tend to be on the breaking news a little bit faster because they're a little bit more hooked into the internet, a lot of, lot of Twitter. So you can't have too many places to find Packers content on the internet. So thank you, Ryan, once again for coming on the show. We're going to have Paul Allen on the show tomorrow, the, um, the Vikings play-by-play radio host of the last 16 years. Many Packer fans are probably most aware of him for the great Brett Favre calls, both good and bad over the course of Favre's brief career in Minnesota. So uh, he is one of the true characters in sports media, in NFL media. He's a unique guy because he's a play-by-play man for a local team that is not afraid to inject his opinion into the broadcast. And it's one of my favorite things about hearing him call a game. So that's going to be tomorrow for Opponent Wednesday. And then hopefully we're working on getting Kevin Seifert from ESPN, who used to cover the, the Minnesota Vikings and then he covered the NFC North and now covers sort of the NFL at large, hoping to get him on Thursday to, to look a little bit deeper into Packers-Vikings as someone who covered the Vikings for a long time and then the Packers as well. Um, Kevin is uniquely positioned to offer some great insight. So um, hopefully we can get that worked out and he'll be on the show for Thursday. 4-1 Green Bay Packers, number one in the division. The Vikings won Monday night. They're 3-2. The Bears are 1-4. Although Mitch Trubisky, look, he looked decent. It's good enough. We don't know who's going to start for, at quarterback for the, for the Vikings on Sunday. We're going to talk to Paul about that. Is Sam Bradford going to be healthy enough? Had to be removed from the game on Monday in favor of Case Keenum, who played much better, by the way, in, in Bradford's absence than Bradford had. So we could get the Case Keenum experience on Sunday. We could get Sam Bradford. I'll find out how that's going to shake out moving forward. And if you want all that info, you know what you have to do. You have to stay locked on Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.